what we do is trying to educate the public as far as what they can get out of their trail cameras. You know, that's been um, the fun part of it, but also challenging because, you know, we all, and I know for me, kind of set in our ways of we, we're doing something a certain way and we, it's harder to make a change. Yeah. I mean, when I'm in Deer Lab, when I'm look, using it for the property that I hunt, I'm rarely looking at photos. I'm looking at the data behind it. And, you know, the photos, yes, I know that Buck A or whoever that might be, I know it's photos of him, but it's the data behind that that is important to me more than just the actual photos. Big Buck Registries Deer Hunting Podcast, episode number 263. John Livingston, Deer Lab, Hunt Tech Part 3. Support for the Big Buck Registry and the Deer Hunt Podcast comes from Rackology. Everything you need in one bag. Now available at Rural King and Orsland Farm and Home storefronts. Or online at www.rackology.org. Hunters blend coffee. Defending hunting one cup at a time. Finally, there's a coffee that helps rather than hurts your freedom to hunt. Use the code BBR to receive 10% off your next Hunters Blend order. Polar Works Coolers and the Chill Zone. Specializing in the most durable, reliable thermal cups and coolers. Keep your drinks hot or cold in any element. Covert scouting cameras, remote cameras for hunting, wildlife, and security. Morse's Sporting Goods, a full line of sporting goods without the sales tax. And Big Buck merch. You can get cool, high-quality Big Buck t-shirts, long-sleeve t-shirts, and hoodies. And show support for this podcast by visiting www.bigbuckregistry.com forward slash M-E-R-C-H. Big Buck Registry is a virtual museum of hunting stories. We preserve a piece of Americana by interviewing and recording hunters about their hunts and experiences from across the country. And who knows, maybe we'll learn a thing or two along the way that'll help us take our hunt to the next level. Hi, this is Barry Wenzel from Brothers of the Bow and Trophy Whitetail Boot Camps. I'm not really sure what a podcast is, but you're about to push play on what is now my favorite podcast, Big Buck Registry's Deer Hunting Podcast. Hi, this is Dan Infold from HuntingBeast.com. You're about to listen to one of my favorite podcasts, Big Buck Registry's Deer Hunting Podcast. Hey, this is Matt Ross from QDMA, and you're listening to one of my favorite podcasts on the internet, the Big Buck Registry's Deer Hunting Podcast. Hello, ladies and gentlemen, fellow predators. My name is Jay, and thank you for tuning in to the Big Buck Registry's Deer Hunting Podcast. For Dusty Phillips and Jim Keller and the entire staff here at the Big Buck Registry, welcome to this week's show. There are a couple things I'd like you to do for us if you could. If you would, please check us out on iTunes, subscribe, and leave us a review. With your help, we're going to try and push this show up the iTunes charts. I know we have a lot of listeners out there, and I need you to take some action. I need you to leave a review and subscribe to the show. If you do subscribe, that'll give you access and notification each and every week that a new show is released. You can also access this show in its entirety on YouTube, Stitcher, TuneIn Radio, iHeartRadio, Spotify, Google Play, and as an Amazon Alexa skill. Go to Alexa and say, Alexa, enable Big Buck Registry. It's all right there for you to access on demand at your fingertips. 
Regarding the harness program, we have an ample supply of harnesses to give away from our volunteer donors. If you're in need of a full-body harness, please send an email to j at bigbuckregistry.com. On the last episode of Big Buck Registry's Deer Hunt podcast, we explored the world of Tacticam as part of our quest to explore different hunting technologies. On this show, we explore the world of data, specifically data related to your game camera picks with help from John Livingston of Deer Lab. And stay tuned next week as we explore the world of mapping with Zach Sandow from Onyx Hunt Maps. By now in your hunting career, you've probably used a game camera or two. As hunters, we use game cameras to scout and gather information about deer movement. Game camera picks can be deceiving, though, for multiple reasons. For example, there could be a huntable buck in the area that just won't come to the camera. Or perhaps we get a picture of a buck, but the reason we think he's in the area might be relative to something completely different than what we thought. Scientifically, these examples could be considered false negatives and false positives. Using a multiple camera system and gathering data points connected to weather might be a better approach to determining when to hunt. However, keeping track of data when using more than a couple cameras can be daunting, and without keeping statistics correctly, the degree of error goes up when determining the true pattern. That's where Deer Lab comes into play. Deer Lab takes the game camera picture information through photo recognition and timestamps and marries that content to external weather data to help you determine statistically the best time to hunt a target. Deer Lab can efficiently determine what's in the picture and then couples the timestamp to weather points like wind speed, sunrise, sunset, barometric pressure, visibility, humidity, and moon data. In this episode of Hunt Tech Part 3, we dive deep with John Livingston of Deer Lab to figure out how Deer Lab can help uncover all the data and information that a game cam pick holds well beyond just an image of your target buck. We'll get to our entire interview with John Livingston of Deer Lab in just one moment. But before we do, let's hear from our friends at Rackology and PolarWorks Coolers and then Jim Keller with the Deer News. I still can't believe that's all you're taking. I got everything I need all in one bag. Rackology Deer Supplement and Attractant developed through years of intense scientific research comes a product that puts it all in one bag. Superior Attractant, scientifically formulated vitamins and minerals, and all at a much better price. To get yours today, please check out Rackology.org for a list of dealers. Rackology, how can you afford not to use it? Everything deer need, all in one bag. I always wanted one of those high-end coolers because of the quality that I had heard of, but I couldn't justify the price. Then I found Polar Works. Finally, I found a company that understands quality and affordability. The Polar Works lineup is extensive and is filled with Polar Cups, Polar Tubs, and Polar Soft Coolers. So check out PolarWorks.com when you're considering your next high-quality cooler without breaking the bank. That's www.polarworkz.com. For the Big Buck Registry, this is Jim Keller with the Deer News. Our first story this week, grizzly bear attacks hunter in mountains north of Yellowstone. This story is from the Fox News website and was reported by Amy Liu. A grizzly bear sunk her teeth into an elk hunter's arm and clawed his eye on Saturday after he surprised the sounder cub north of Yellowstone National Park, according to the victim. Bob Lagasa, 57, and his hunting buddy were walking towards some elk in Livingston when he heard a cub growl. Shortly after, the cub's mother ran full speed in his direction. He told the Coeur d'Alene press that the bear weighed about 500 pounds. He said he braced himself for impact like a football player. 
The bear attempted to hug him and latched onto his arm. His buddy sprayed at the bear with bear spray and inadvertently hit Lagasa twice. The bear eventually relented. The bear's response was normal for a sow with a cub encountering a human at close range, Montana Fish, Wildlife, and Parks officials said in a statement on Monday. Lagasa asked that the bear not be put down. Lagasa said the experience won't put him off hunting a hobby since he was a teenager, but he said he will be more cautious in the future. Lagasa posted an update on his condition on Facebook. All in all, I'm in good shape. My arm is screwed up a little and sore, and the vision is good. I will be fine, he said in his post. CWD hits Michigan's UP for the first time. This story is from the OutdoorNews.com website. A four-year-old doe killed on a deer damage shooting permit in Dickinson's County, Waseda Township, has tested positive for chronic wasting disease, marking the first confirmation of the incurable deer disease within Michigan's Upper Peninsula. The finding was verified by Michigan State University's Veterinary Diagnostic Laboratory in East Lansing and the U.S. Department of Agriculture's National Veterinary Services Laboratory in Ames, Iowa. The deer was shot on an agricultural farm about four miles from the Michigan-Wisconsin border. The DNR has tested hundreds of deer from the Upper Peninsula counties bordering Wisconsin. This year alone, as of October 11, a total of 625 deer management permit roadkill and hunter-killed deer have been tested in Dickinson, Gogebic, Menominee, and Iron Counties. A roughly 10-mile core area has been set up centered on Waseda Township. Within this area, the DNR has set a goal to test a minimum of 600 deer to better determine the extent of possibly infected deer. Several actions will be taken by the DNR, including providing additional drop boxes for deer heads within the area, especially in convenient high-traffic places, offering disease control permits to interested landowners who have more than five acres of land and are within five miles of the center of the surveillance area, allowing baiting for deer to continue for the rest of this year. Future decisions on feeding deer will be based on the results of the surveillance efforts. An ongoing DNR-UP deer migration study will be adjusted to include the affected deer within its boundaries. Deer will be collared in the area to better understand the movements of deer. In North America, a total of 25 states and three Canadian provinces have confirmed the presence of chronic wasting disease in free-ranging or captive deer, elk, or moose, or both. Insects invading Virginia and Pennsylvania could be most destructive species in 150 years. This story is from the Fox News website and was reported by Madeline Farber. An invasive insect species native to China, India, and Vietnam is posing a problem in at least two states. The spotted lanternfly is harming crops in Winchester, Virginia, WDVM reported. The Pennsylvania-based Churchill Nature Center said the creatures were also spotted for the first time on its property Thursday. The species poses a threat to agriculture and has the ability to greatly impact the grape, hops, and logging industries, the Pennsylvania Department of Agriculture warned. In February, Penn State confirmed it was teaming up with the U.S. Department of Agriculture and Pennsylvania Department of Agriculture to tackle what could be the most destructive species in 150 years, the spotted lanternfly. While these insects aren't known to harm humans, the pest raises concerns ahead of the holiday seasons. Spotted lanternflies may lay their eggs on Christmas trees, which could then hatch inside homes, the Philly Voice reported. Freshly laid eggs have a gray mud-like covering, which can take on a dry, cracked appearance over time, the Pennsylvania Department of Agriculture said, encouraging anyone who sees the masses to scrape it off. Any sightings of spotted lanternfly eggs, which can be killed with alcohol or hand sanitizer, should be reported to state wildlife officials. Black bear sightings in Virginia on the rise in light of acorn shortage. This story is from the Fox News website and was reported by Madeline Farber. 
If you live in Virginia and have spotted a black bear as of late, an acorn shortage this fall may be to blame, wildlife experts say. The shortage has forced the local bear population into more populated areas as they search for different types of food, Sabrina Garvin, executive director of Southwest Virginia Wildlife Center of Roanoke, told Fox News on Tuesday. It's not currently clear what has caused the acorn shortage. To prevent unwanted black bear visitors, wildlife officials suggest locking up common food sources for bears such as trash cans and bird feeders. The sightings will likely decline when the bears begin to hibernate. That concludes this week's edition of the Big Buck Registry's Deer News. Special thanks to Daniel Applebaum for leads on some of the stories this week. For links to the stories featured this week, please check our show notes at www.bigbuckregistry.com. If you have any ideas for future topics or have questions about any of these topics, please email me at jim at bigbuckregistry.com. For the Big Buck Registry, this is Jim Keller with the Deer News. Well, thanks to Jim Keller for the Deer News. Without further ado, here is John Livingston from Deer Lab. John Livingston, welcome to the Big Buck Registry's Deer Hunting Podcast. How are you, my friend? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me on. Well, we're excited to talk to you. This is part of that series we're doing on, on hunting tech and... Deer Lab falls right into that exact category. You guys have been around for a while. You've established some, as we just talked about, some street credit. And I think it's time to explore more in depth what your company is doing to assist deer hunters. Because I, I as much as far as it's come, I think it's now becoming more or less mainstream, but there's still many people that have not adopted it. So I thought we'd take a closer look. John, tell us about yourself. Where are you from? How are you connected to Deer Lab? Sure. Um, well, I'm from Jacksonville, Florida, and um, so I'm in an area that doesn't have great deer compared to most of your guests. But right. um, yeah, I've, I've lived here, um, have three kids, and uh, just wor- been working with Deer Lab for the last five years. It's, it's been a, it's been a fun ride. Gotcha. Let's talk about the the inception of Deer Lab. When was Deer Lab established and why? Sure. Deer Lab, um, we started Deer Lab a little over five years ago. Um, and really the reasoning was uh, I was running a bunch of cameras and trying to get more data out of the photos that I was receiving and pretty much was doing everything in Excel. Um, I would put, you know, when I would see a particular buck, I'd put down the date, the time, you know, I'd look at the weather charts um, online and start filling in information. It was just really, really tedious trying to under, trying to get a grasp of how is this buck moving from one camera to the next? When is he showing up? And just trying to tr- trying to remember all the data from different bucks and just different times. And so I was doing all of that in Excel and it was just a real pain. And I was like, there has to be an easier way to, to do this. And, um, that's when the idea of deer lab came up. I initially started doing some searches online and really the only thing that I saw out there was a software based, uh, uh, product by Reconyx. Uh, I think it's buck view and I couldn't even install it cause I was running max and, um, that was PC based only. So I was never even able to look at it. Um, and so, and it was also, I think specifically for Reconyx cameras. And so as a, uh, web developer, I've been kind of in the web industry for since 1995, which kind of dates myself, but 
Um, I had another friend of mine who is a really good developer as well, and we uh, kind of I presented the idea to him, and he loved it, and we kind of started that journey. And so for a good seven, eight months, I would say, we pretty much worked full-time. I was working full-time as a web developer, but also on the, on the side with Deer Lab, and really was working some really late hours, um, you know, 12, 14 hour days for a good over six months um, before we released the initial version of Deer Lab, which is very different than what it is today. Okay. I remember when I first had my uh, game camera and I had bought some stuff online and it didn't work very well. And it was still actually operated by um, the, the old uh, – film it was film it wasn't digital and then they're progressed into a flash drive when today it's sd and these days even some cell cam stuff going on and remember early on that you had to go through and sort your pictures you know you had to go bring them down and then get them developed and then come back then you had to do the old the old excel file or, or database and try to figure it out yourself and then i remember that cuttyback had a very primitive type system where they you could get some data but it wasn't a lot and then along came covert covert is a sponsor of ours obviously and it seemed i think in every package that i've seen so far in any camera i've opened up that deer lab was associated with um, some of the packaging so they're recommending you to our deer lab as part of their package to monitor some of the the data that's coming up on the the pictures that you would take as a hunter the on a camera. Yeah. So when I opened up my last camera, like, you know, I really need to dig deeper into this. And I looked at some of your other, I guess, quote unquote competitors, and you seem to have the most comprehensive background and have been around some of the longest with what appears to be some of the, the most in-depth abilities and I'm, now that I'm getting a lot of pictures on my camera, I'm like, you know what? I got to know more. I need to know more. I need to know more about what all these pictures mean. And I can go in a little bit by, you know, one by one and try to figure out when I get the most amount of pictures and what's in the pictures and it doesn't count the squirrels. So I, that's why I wanted to have you on the show and, and talk oh, cool. more about this. That's great to hear. I appreciate it. Um, yeah, it's, it's neat to see how people find us. Um, like you said, we are in many uh, several camera manufacturer boxes when you buy a camera um i would say most of the people probably find us online but it is it is interesting we have very different groups of people that are using deer lab from uh you know our typical hunter that that's what we're kind of our core is completely after for the guy that's going after a particular buck or um we have people all over the world using it for camera traps um, we have scientists wildlife, wildlife biologists I mean, I, I had one of the first experiences of being at a show. I had a guy come up to me and said, I'm using Deer Lab for my gators. And I'm like, what do you mean <laughs> gators? And he was actually using his trail cameras to pattern alligators. Um, he was an outfitter in southern Florida. And I had no clue you could even do that. Um, so it's been pretty neat to see how people find us and, you know, all the people out there that are doing some different things, but are looking for that data from their photos. So give us an overview about what a, a company like, or a software, because you're a software engineer. What does the software do? Like just an overview 
of how can this benefit a hunter in a nutshell? Sure. Well, there's there's a couple of different levels. You have the the basic level of just managing all your photos, and that was one of the issues that I was having at the beginning, of just having a lot of cameras, a lot of photos, and just where do I put them all? How do I organize them? And so Deer Lab can kind of cover that, but we really our focus is kind of being able to bring out the data from those photos, and so uh, we have an area in our in our app that basically gives profiles for individual bucks or you can basically profile anything you could you could profile a herd of animals you could profile turkeys or you know whatever you want to do but our focus is really kind of going after that individual buck and so um that's you know the data piece of deer lab of really there's a ton of data that we can get from your trail cameras and really the only thing that we're using from your trail camera is the timestamp, the photo and the timestamp. Okay. And everything else is basically pulled in that items that trail cameras can't capture. Um, you know, trail cameras will capture say the, the moon phase and the temperature. I would say that not all trail cameras have great sensors within the cameras. And so, the information that you receive from those cameras might be a little bit skewed. And so what we do is we take that timestamp and really that's the only thing we use is the timestamp. And we go to, uh, you, you basically drop a pin on a satellite map, a Google map within deer lab. And that's how we get the GPS from that location of where the camera is. And we take the GPS location, we take your timestamp and then we go out to your local weather station and pull in the weather for every single photo that you upload. And so when you upload a photo to Deer Lab, we're basically doing all of that behind the scenes as the photos are being uploaded into the system. So you get information such as wind speed and wind direction, and uh, you'll get the moon phase and the temperature and uh, barometric pressure, things like that, that will pull in that trail cameras really can't capture. Gotcha. Okay. So as we had discussed with the juries on their DeerCast app, they look at different weather patterns to determine when to go hunting. This is similar to that in that you're looking at weather patterns based off of the time frame that a picture was taken and in the location it was taken. So they're also looking at location. They're also looking at weather. Mm-hmm. So you're taking that, that similar concept, but now you're taking actual data as um, relative to the bucks and, and pictures that you're getting in your area. And what, and so I can see how that would overlap quite a bit. And can you dive into a little bit more about how weather, based off of what you've learned, I'm sure you've learned a lot since you opened up the store, so to speak. Um, what have you learned about buck patterning and or just deer patterning relative to the weather the, and, and information that you're plugging in? Yeah, definitely. So one thing I have learned is that every buck is unique. And um, while we kind of look at, you know, there's a lot of things out there as far as a buck will move, you know, during these times. and But each one, each unique buck has kind of unique patterns. And so while, while I might have one buck that is moving by this wind direction, another buck might move a little bit differently. And so, you know, that I guess the challenge with all the data that you have out there, um, one of the things that we kind of wanted to do was take the data, 
of the actual photos that you're receiving and give you easy to read reports so you can understand what exactly that buck is doing instead of just kind of guessing off of in general here's what typically happens mm. and it can be very different from one side of the street to the other side of the street i know in florida it's very different we have so many different ruts i mean literally you can go five miles down the road and the rut can be very different and so we're focused on the actual data that you're bringing in from those photos instead of kind of giving a this is what we typically see and every single buck that i've seen has a unique pattern a lot of them can be very similar but there will be some outliners that can move very differently as far as where they move um, one of the cool things about deer lab is you can start to see trends over years and so the last year's data is super helpful to be able to bring in to see for this hunting season. And it's really neat to see some of these bucks to where you'll see them, say, last October 15th um, at a partic particular location on your property. Well, you can pretty much guarantee that they're going to be real close to that area at the same time the next year. And so they have kind of a rhythm that they're going through as far as one place they'll be in a certain area, pretty much the same, same place the next year. And mm. so, you know, you know, there's, there's big debates, like some people believe in moon phases, some people don't believe in moon phases. And so we don't try to answer that for you as far as this is what we believe. We, we kind of, are from the perspective of take the data and see what it says, um, you know, are your bucks moving differently by different moon phases um, and, and you can start to see kind of a, an idea of what they are doing instead of kind of just going off of what one group might say it compared to another group. Um, so, you know, we're not going to automatically tell you exactly where a deer is, um, but we're going to give you some good insight into, um, giving you a better opportunity to be in the right place at the right time. Um, you know, it's, we're doing our best with the with the data and just trying to give a, a good read for people to easily understand the data behind their photos instead of just looking at a photo and saying that's a nice buck. There's just a tremendous amount of data and you can get bogged down in it as well. And so we're really our focus is really trying to keep a top level. Here's an overview. Like for instance, if you create a, a profile for an individual buck, we can tell you what time he's hitting your cameras, what cameras he's hitting the most, how he's moving by wind speed or wind direction. Um, we tell you how he's moving, uh, you know, does he move more in this moon phase compared to this other moon phase? Um, so there's a lot of different things that we are giving to kind of give a, just a better idea as far as the deer in your area, the mm. deer that you're hunting after. Um, and we have a lot of guys that are using it for different properties in different states. And so one group, you know, might have deer in Kansas and those deer are doing something very different than, say, South Carolina or New York or, you know, Illinois. Um, and so it's just really focused in on your actual property and the data that you're getting from your trail cameras. Gotcha. And one thing I, I do want to point out is we are not using every single photo that you are uploading to Deer Lab. And so it makes us unique in the fact that, you know, you have trail cameras that have different settings 
you have trail cameras that have different, um, you know, as far as the rate that they take photos. Um, you also have your trail cameras in different locations, say one's on a food plot and another one is maybe, you know, on a trail. And so the cameras are taking photos at different rates on different settings. And so what we try to do is basically do a even pla- uh, playing field for all cameras, no matter what brand and no matter what setting and no matter what location. And so we are aggregating the data and looking at them as far as sighting. So all of our profiles are based off of 15-minute segments. So all of the photos, let's say Buck A is in the food plot and you get 30 photos of him within a 15-minute segment. Yep. We're going to count that as one sighting. Yep. And you know he might hit that trail three or four times a week, and you only have three or four photos of them. But we don't want that food plot camera to automatically skew the results because you have more photos in there. So we're looking at times, and that's one thing that you just can't do with Excel or you can't do with just looking at photos of, by aggregating the data depending on the time and what locations they're at. I was just about to ask that because it, it's, it seems that in certain spots, as you mentioned, a food plot, although that buck is there, it's going to be snapping a lot of photos because there's a lot of movement. But the question is, is that relative to your overall abilities to hunt that deer? And Because you can only be in one place at one time, but you can't overcount the food plot pictures, right? Because that's going right. to skew your data in a sense. Right, right. Yeah, I mean, we get that question all the time because, you know, some guys like to have, you know, three or four image bursts and they're wondering if it's skewing the results. And it's not. We, we're only basically counting that as one sighting. So they could have, I mean, you could have 200 photos of a, of a buck um, at one food plot, you know, in a 10-minute segment, depending on your camera setting, and then have three pictures on that trail. And we're going to say, hey, he's moving on this trail He's more active over here than he is over on that food plot. Gotcha. So just looking at some of the the screenshots, it looks like you take account for all the pictures from all the cameras, and then you can generalize when deer are moving on a percentage basis throughout the day in your area based off of your camera setup. Correct. Yeah. Yeah. And, and one of the, you know, if you're looking at the website and kind of on our homepage, looking maybe at that profile of Roscoe P. Coltrane. Roscoe P. Um, Coltrane, that's right. Yeah. Um, you know, you'll see in there that there's 156 sightings off of 466 photos. Yeah. So we're basically basing those stats off of those 156 sightings. Okay. So the 156 sightings versus the 466 photos, what's the difference? Well, the sightings would be photos grouped together in a 15 minute segment. Okay. So, you know, you're always going to typically have more photos than actual sightings. Okay. Gotcha. And what, what about the other pictures of the other critters besides deer? How did the, how does that get worked in? Yeah. So we, um, have photo recognition within deer lab that will automatically tag animals to manually tag anything. So, I personally tag, give multiple tags per photo depending on what that photo is. So Deer Lab will go in and it'll automatically mark um, photos as deer. And and I'll go in and I'll go, okay, this is a 10-point 
and I might give him a name. And so I'm creating multiple tags for that particular photo. Okay. And so when I go to create a profile, I'll select his name and it will look for all the photos that has his name and it will aggregate all the data for that. Um, and you can create a profile off of just say the general tag of deer and it will look at all of the deer photos that you have and it will tell you, you know, what cameras have activity with them. Um, the sightings by time of day for all those cameras, you can filter any of our profile reports. You can basically filter by camera and by time and date range. Mm. And so you can really get into the nitty gritty if you want to. So if you say, okay, what is this Northeast food plot camera location? What is it doing, you know, in daytime hours between these dates? And you'll get a good idea of the activity on those cameras from that filtered result. Gotcha. Okay. So you actually have photo recognition built into your system. We do. We do. And it's uh, general right now. We have a lot of exciting updates coming down the road for that. Um, it's a, it's a smart system. I mean, we have millions and millions of photos in our system. And so we are looking at all of them and um, we've had to train our system to look at what those objects are. Our photo recognition um, system right now, it is a machine learning system. Mm. So it gets smarter over time. And we are uh, working on some pretty significant updates. But but the thing about the what it's doing is it's looking at the photo and it's looking for objects within the photo. And so it will see a tree and, it, and we will automatically tag a tree, we'll automatically tag a deer, we'll automatically tag, you know, turkeys and bears and whatever it might be. Um, and what we do is we go, okay, there's a ton of tags, a ton of objects out there in those photos that you're not going to be interested in. Right. And you're not, you know, we, we're, that's not our focus. And so what we do is we have a, a blacklist that automatically, if any of those tags are in that blacklist, we don't show it to you. But we also give you the ability to go in and customize the photo recognition for your needs. And so... We have a tool to where you can just select all the tags that we have seen in your photos and you can delete them and they'll delete them from all of your photos. They won't delete your photos, but they'll delete the tags. And then any future uploads of photos to Deer Lab, we will um, automatically bypass those tags so you won't see them. And so the beauty of that is you can start to really focus in on saying, okay, I just want to see deer and turkeys and bears and that's all I want to see. And you can upload your photos, and if deer and turkey and bears are in there, then then we will automatically tag them. But if anything else is in there, we're not going to tag those photos. And so what you can do is go into the photo filter section and say, I want to delete all of those photos that have um, no tags to it. And it will delete all of your photos that are just you know squirrels and blowing wind and bad photos. And so you don't have to deal with those photos. And then you'll just have your groups of photos of deer, bear, and turkey. Mm. And the photo filter is really cool because you can filter different things or multiple things at once. So you can say, I just want to see all of my photos in daylight or say the morning hours because I'm going on a morning hunt. I want to see the morning hours from this camera or the morning hours with this wind direction with you know uh between these dates 
and we'll show you all those photos um, through that filter. So there's a lot of different things that you can do with Deer Lab. Um, I, we, we really have focused on keeping it simple. So if you're not technical, you, you, you won't have any problem. In fact, when I designed the system a while back, our target market was the guy that was 40 to 50 years old, somewhere in there right. that, um, you know, might not be very technically savvy. And so we really tried to focus on keeping it simple. So I'm thinking about the thousands of pictures that I have on my camera and I'm thinking about all the cameras that I have out and I'm some and I've I've done this before user error I've mislabeled the the time or forgot about a time change or something of that nature and some of the the cell cams the covert cell cam that that we have will automatically change it because it's reading cell cell coverage but the time frame, how important is that time frame? And I assume that if you get the time frame wrong on the setup on your camera, that it's not going to give you good data, garbage in, garbage out kind of thing. Yeah. And that was the, that was the case for early on with Deer Lab. Okay. And we were seeing that and I was running into the same thing. I for, you know, daylight savings time. Ah, oh, I forgot to get the cameras, you know, set the cameras right. And so we have in, in, the app now, you can basically change bad data and make it into good data. Okay. Um, so you can go in and say, okay, I just uploaded this card. All of the timestamps were defaulted back to the, you know, January 1st of 1980 or whatever it might be. And you can easily go within two steps. You can just basically say, I want to change this date to this date and this time to this time. And I want you to do it for all of these photos between these date ranges. And you just hit a button and we will automatically change the timestamp of all of them. We will also go out to your local weather station and pull in all the new weather for that. Because initially when you uploaded the photos, we were taking that weather from, say, 1980. And, you know, this is kind of a funny side note. I um, the the cool thing about the weather system that we have is you can backdate it for as long as you, it, we've had weather data. Right. So I was born in 1970 in Rochester, New York, and so I went back to my birth date, and I was able to pull up all the weather data at that hospital. Really? For that for that timestamp, and so we basically do the same thing with your photos. So it doesn't really matter how old your photos are; we're going to get the weather from that exact time wow and so it's a lot of data to tap into it is it is and it's it's pretty intensive from the server side but um basically when you do that timestamp change for kind of mass editing timestamps and you could be doing this for thousands of photos at a time we're basically removing the old data from the timestamp of all the weather information that we pull in and we're going back out there to the weather stations that have the historic information. And, and just in the U.S., we connect to over 20,000 local weather stations. So it might not be on your property, but it's pretty close. Gotcha. And we bring all that information back in. We recalculate all the stats. We recalculate all the profiles if you have associated tags with those. Gotcha. So it's a pretty smart system. It sounds really smart. So provided that we are human, uh, as long as you get the time frame right, and you set your camera correctly, it'll pull in the time, time zone, the date, 
And then if we are human, then <laughs> if we make a mistake, then you have bulk edit capacity in your system so that you can get a more accurate profile even if you messed up. We do, yeah. And the information that we pull in, you know, besides the time and date is the wind, the wind direction, wind speed, the barometric pressure, the humidity, the visibility, sunrise, sunset, and moon phase right now. Okay. So we have some more stuff that's coming out, but um, okay. for right now, that's you got it. More data, more data points you're going to measure. Yeah. So as far as the wind, um, you're measuring what what the weather system is measuring out of from whatever they, they tell you miles per hour and from what direction, the pretty standard stuff. Yeah. Pressure, looks like you're, it's giving you uh, the pressure of the area, the weather, weather pressure, plus whether it's rising or falling. At that time, um, yes, yes, and you can filter all that too in our fit in our photo filter section. Okay, um, looks like it pulls in humidity. Mm-hmm. So what what is how is humidity relative to this stuff? That's a good question. Um, we haven't really done any humidity reports for okay. the profiles, um, but the the neat thing is when we do that, it will go back to all of your photos in the past and give you reports. For it. Okay. So you don't have to. It's it's not like we make a change and you. It's only for new photos. Right. We we go back into your whole database of photos. Right. Because it's pulling from a different database that has all this already collected. It's just a matter of whether you got the right time and location plugged in. Yeah, we're actually c- collecting a lot more than you see. Yeah. Um, and but we're just only showing certain data points right now. Okay. And I, you know, I don't know if humidity is relative, but you'd only know if you had a lot of data behind it, right? Yep. Which you're doing. You're, this is what yep. you're collecting. So this is the stuff that you can put together through lots of data points and draw conclusions from that instead of guessing. Because right now I'm guessing. You know, without the use of a system like yours, I'm guessing. I'm, I'm guessing, well, this buck came in at this time. This was the most deer activity I had. This is when this buck usually shows up at this time. I, I can go through one picture at a time and draw a mental reference. But as we, as you may or may not know, and that this, this is for everybody listening, is that the human mind is funky. It doesn't necessarily know what it thinks it knows, <laughs> right? Um, any kind of stressful situation, you can swear up and down that you are in a certain time in a certain spot uh, or you're at a certain spot in a certain time but in reality our minds don't process it like that so unless you're using a computer-based situation to identify all these data points and draw conclusions that way then you're really just relying on your own mind although it may be good My, my guess is that it's not as good as the computer data yeah, that's um, interesting. You say that that that's been a pretty big subject this week in the in the press. <laughs> right. There you go. Right. Yeah. Right. It's um, it's it is kind of crazy, but there have been some some studies um, to show that when under stress, the brain will create and fill in the blanks or create a whole other situation where you will swear up and down that you're in one place in one location during a, a significant event. But it turns out that you just filled in the blanks. You didn't actually, what was accurate was not what you said it was, but you don't know that, that you don't know that. Your brain yeah, has, has created this whole other system. 
Yeah, and you know, when I was running two or three cameras initially, when I started getting cameras, I could keep up with it. But once I started getting over four or five and more cameras, yeah. it was just it was just a big blur. And I was just like, okay, right. this is getting out of hand. And you know, we have we have some customers that are running up to two hundred cameras, and I just can't. I mean, one, I can't imagine running two hundred cameras, but but just the amount of data of trying to remember, you know anything um and trail cameras you know i don't know how many you run but they're time consuming and they're they just they take a lot of time and unfortunately most are just looking at photos and not really seeing the data behind them and so that's that's you know our our real goal is i mean part of it you know we're a technology company and we're trying to get that data but i mean a lot of what we do is trying to educate the public as far as what they can get out of their trail cameras. Um, and so, you know, that's been, um, the fun part of it, but also challenging because, you know, we all, and I know for me kind of set in our ways of we we're doing something a certain way and we, it's harder to make a change. Yeah. And so that's what we kind of face is, just kind of educating people. Cause I mean, when I'm in deer lab, when I'm look, using it for the property that I hunt, um, I'm rarely looking at photos. I'm looking at the data behind it. And, you know, the photos, yes, I know that Buck A or whoever that might be, I know it's photos of him, but it's the data behind that that is important to me more than just the actual photos. Let's take a coffee break. And when we come back, we'll pick up where we left off with John Livingston from Deer Lab. I still can't believe that's all you're taking. I got everything I need all in one bag. Rackology Deer Supplement and Attractant developed through years of intense scientific research comes a product that puts it all in one bag. Superior Attractant, scientifically formulated vitamins and minerals, and all at a much better price. To get yours today, please check out rackology.org for a list of dealers. Rackology, how can you afford not to use it? Everything deer need all in one bag. Hunter-friendly coffee retailers are great, but ever wonder where they buy it from? Now there's a company that imports directly from farmers, zero middlemen, roasts it, and ships it right to your door. From the farmer's fields to your morning cup, Hunter's Blend Coffee has been in the hands of hunters. Through their giving, your coffee supports the RMEF, Whitetails Unlimited, and Women's Hunting Associations, and many others. Now you can defend hunting one cup at a time. Not bad for a cup of coffee. And did I mention, it is so good. And now we'll continue our conversation with John Livingston from Deer Lab. I think it's a, ba- a bigger overview, you know. So you, yes, you're running one camera at one spot at one stand, and maybe the buck that you're targeting is coming in, and you know, you and you right, you race out and you pull the card in. Yes, okay, there he was at six o'clock this morning. The question to me would be why, and what are the other bucks doing at the other locations, and can I draw some kind of relative conclusion here? And so, well, maybe if I hunt that stand at that time, should I, and then I don't want to, I've hunted it too much because I hunted it exactly at that time for three days in a row. And now I've blown it out. I put too much pressure on that stand. Now I need to go a different stand, but where should I go? Now I got to go check all those cards again. But what, but if I could collect them routinely and put the data in, now I can really hone in on where I should hunt, which stands, if I have set stands or maybe set a camera in a spot and say, okay, I should just throw up a stand in there that evening because that butt came through five days in a row and I haven't hit that stand in over two weeks. That might be good, good, useful information if you 
but you can only do that so much individually, on, but you can do a lot if you compile all the data into a system. Yes, and just a footnote on that with Deer Lab and kind of the number of cameras that you can really start taking advantage of Deer Lab. I would say for the guy that has one or two cameras, we're probably not the best solution. Mm-hmm. Um, yes, we will manage the photos and we'll give you a, a different view and kind of maybe a different perspective on your photos, but really to take advantage of the data that we're providing, I would say three, four, ideally more um, cameras. Um, you know, I don't think you have to have a s- tons of cameras, but, you know, for instance, we have a feature in, in Deer Lab. It's a heat map, and it basically shows you a visual perspective of your property and how a particular deer is moving on that property. Okay. And so if you only have one or two cameras, you're only, I mean, it's really not going to show you much. But if you have a slew of cameras, 10, 15, 20, you know, it's really going to give you a, a really um, insightful view on your property and really kind of telling you potential bedding areas, you know, potential movement of how a deer is going from one location to the next. And so you, you start to get a and, – and, and it all changes by the time of year too. And right. you can even look at it from a just show me this in the daylight hours, you know. And so a lot of people are getting, you know, pictures of their bucks that are, you know, at two in the morning. And while that's help can be helpful data, I mean, we're, we're really wanting to see where that buck is in shooting hours. And so right. you can do those filtered reports off of that to kind of give you a better idea. You might be getting a lot of photos of a buck at, at midnight, but that's not really going to help you from a hunting perspective. And so it that's where the sightings and filtered reports can really help because you might be thinking that one camera is a lot more popular than another when in actuality that that buck is, you know, not really moving too much, at least around your cameras during daylight activity. Right. Right. I can see how if you had multiple cameras and you monitored this over the course of several years, you could really start to draw some serious conclusions as to when the bucks move into a certain area out of their summer range into their fall range into their mm-hmm. breeding range during at a certain time of year and when you should be there. Yep. You definitely can. And, and that's, I tell customers to upload their old data first. Yeah. That's ideal. And so that gives you kind of a head start for, the, the current hunting season getting getting data for this year is important but you're also if you really are looking after looking for patterns then it's definitely going to be help helpful to bring in that older data yeah just going back to some of the other things that you're pulling in from the weather system weather service you're looking at uh, visibility how, how is that relative and what, what does the visibility part mean yeah so that visibility is basically you know how clear is it out there um from your, your local weather station. And so that is going to get, we're going to be breaking that down a little bit more. Um, right now it's just kind of, you know, is it, was it clear, a clear day? Was it, you know, foggy? Was it, you know, getting kind of a, a better idea as far as the weather that was going on when you, um, when those pictures were taken. Okay. Which I 
can understand is important based off of uh, deer movement, like, like just learning from some of the jury stuff. Um, cloud cover can mean a difference in whether it's a good day or a great day or a bad day. Mm-hmm. Um, that that does have some kind of effect on deer movement, according to the juries. Uh, you look at sunrise and sunset, that's pretty straightforward for your area. Um, moon phase, you're looking at uh, full moon, new moon, waxing gibbous, waning gibbous, whatever those yep. are. So you're looking at that. Are you looking at any, or maybe in the future, you'll be looking at like moon overhead and underfoot? Um, we don't have that right now, okay. but that is definitely something that we can get into. Okay. And this is just my own observation. It seems to me that when, especially in the morning and when moon is underfoot within an hour of sunrise, either side, I see a heck of a lot of activity. And I don't, I haven't gone back and made it. And this, we're back to the data sets again. I don't know if it's true. It's, it's subjective. It's, it's just relative to my own personal being. I don't know if it's in general based off of a, a larger data set or is it just those days had other factors that I wasn't aware of. It's just one of those things that I would like to take a closer look at to see if underfoot within an hour of sunrise means something. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So manage it. You, uh, having multiple cameras, it sounds like that's, this is a good fit having one or two cameras, not, not necessarily, but you can probably still draw some conclusions by the sounds of it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, You can do multiple edits, um, mass edit. And what are some of the things that you are, are able to determine? I mean, we, we talked about wind speed. Have you been able to put together? I mean, you're looking at the data, I would assume where you could, each individual do you can you keep a collective and start to decide hey this is these are some of the some of the of our conclusions that we've drawn about well, bucks move in certain wind speeds or bucks move at certain moon phases is there anything that you can draw from all the data that you're pulling in you know we we have not gone into kind of looking at our whole data set of all users and all their data um you know, I have thought about that, um, of how that could be some really interesting information, especially for the number of photos that we have in the system. Um, you know, I, I do, we, we try to be careful, you know, as a hunter, I want my data to be private. And I think that's a question that several have of, you know, is anybody looking at this data you know, they don't want to. They don't want to give up their spots. You know, or their right. information. And and I completely understand that. Um, we don't go into customer accounts. Um, it's it's basically you know password protected. You create the password, username. Um, I would say that most of our customers, they are sharing their accounts with people that they hunt with. And I basically say, just you know, feel free to share the account. In fact. Um, I personally share my account with others, and it's been really helpful because we can kind of divvy up the responsibilities of pulling cards and stuff like that. And before, we always had, you know, somebody had certain cards at their home and others had others, and and you weren't really seeing the full picture. And so we basically are just using Deer Lab to kind of everybody to be on the same page. But I would say, you know, don't give your account out to people that uh, you don't trust and obviously – People wouldn't do that, but, um, yeah, it's, it's, uh, 
it's that's a that's a good point as far as potentially looking at it. I know that there's some tools out there. You know, they'll say when the rut is, you know, in certain areas and stuff like that. Um, but from a, you know, I, I'm I'm a big fan of QDMA and they do a lot of um, great reports on deer movement and there's there's some various studies um, from universities that are doing that. Um, and I think we, we could potentially help in that um, with the amount of data that we have. Um, and, and really, we're kind of looking at it from all over the place. And, and we have data really around the world. We definitely have more customers in the U.S. than any other location. But um, it, it would be interesting to kind of draw some try to draw some conclusions off of the data that's in there. Right, right. I think, I mean, you're in a perfect position to determine some of that stuff and without really, and, you know, not not by violating any privacy or anything. I mean, you just got some general data. Boy, could you draw some conclusions, I think, to justify or, or bust some of the, the myths and, and, and thoughts that are out there about deer movement and that types of thing. Yeah, and I will say, like, going back to that individual buck, the thing that I have seen is that each one does have a unique um, – I would say that it's very similar to humans. I mean, if you group all the humans together, we have certain tendencies that right. most humans do. But everyone has a unique personality, and I think um, that that would fall in, in line with bucks as well. Right, and that's a good point. You can't – just because you, you draw a general conclusion based off of the data, there's always one – point that's outside the boundary right that you can't conclude for and that might be the the, you know the the next world champ uh pope and young or boone and crockett you don't know that that one buck might be doing something completely different than the general group of what you're monitoring and and that one buck might be doing different things depending on his age too right now as far as how he moves as a younger buck compared to an older buck you know his kind of core range they would say. Right. Um, so, you know, that's one of the things I think that kind of separates us from, from a lot of the tools out there is we, we really try to focus on your, the, the sightings that you have seen that data. And, um, so you know exactly what's happening with, with, from the photos that you're putting into the system where a lot of other are more general kind of, this is typically what happens, but yep. it's not really based on either the location or the actual, um, deer that you're after. Yep. Okay. Gotcha. So let's talk about just the, the, the actual functionality. Um, mm-hmm. how, how do you do it? How do you get your photos into your system? Yeah. Um, it's really easy. Um, you, Basically, when you log in, and we'll we'll walk you through all of these steps. But you, the first thing that you do is you create your property, and it's basically just looking at a Google Map. You can put in your zip code or whatever, and it will kind of zoom into that area. And then you can kind of zoom in specifically to the property or or the area that you are hunting. We don't go by property lines. Um, it it's more of just the general area of where your cameras are located. And, and once you create your property, we save that setting and then you can start adding camera locations. And so let's say you have one camera location that's on the Northeast food plot. And then you have another one that's maybe over in a wood hammock. Um, you can name those camera locations. And after you have set your camera locations, then you can start uploading photos. And so you just take your SD card, put it in your computer, 
and then upload those photos. And it's as simple as dragging and dropping either that folder or the photos that you want over into that camera location. When that happens, those photos upload. We do a lot of things with it. We we start the photo recognition, so it's looking at every photo as it goes as it uploads. We also pull in the weather information, and we automatically sort your photos by the timestamp. So you'll have kind of a main photos page that has all the photos from all the cameras, and we give you tools to where you can filter it. You can say, just show me the photos that are in daylight, you know, say in the morning time from 6 to, to 9 a.m., um, and we'll show you all those photos. But once those photos are in, then then you can do various things. Um, some people are just using it as just to, to manage all their photos. And then others use it to really start going in and getting into the details of, okay, I'm looking at this buck and I don't want to harvest it until it's a four and a half year old buck. And so they'll, they might follow that buck for two years before they do anything. And they basically are kind of getting intel from that from for that buck in that profile so when it becomes say a four and a half year old buck they're gonna be uh, having a great idea of what that buck is doing um but we walk you through all these steps we have video tutorials as well and it's just really easy to just kind of upload your photos now uh, one thing about cellular cameras yeah um, we work with all cameras it doesn't matter the brand um, as long as it has a timestamp and an sd card we can work with it. Uh, cellular cameras, they are a little bit more challenging because um, when you're looking at photos, say, through your manufacturer's app that you have, all of those are thumbnail images. Um, they are reduced in size, and typically when they reduce those photos, they change the timestamp. Hmm. And so... That's the challenge that we have um, unless we are connecting directly to a cellular camera. And that's that's a goal of ours to be able to do that. But um, we ask our customers to basically upload their original photos. One, you're going to get a lot nicer photo for especially if you're looking at it from a computer, you're going to be able to see a lot more detail. But you're also not going to have to do anything with the timestamps. Right. You can upload cellular cameras, excuse me, cellular photos and change the timestamps. You can do that, but you're not going to get the quality that you would get from an SD card. Right, right. So you're, and I know what you're saying because I have one of the cell cams, and they give you a, a abbreviated version of the quality of the image on your phone. Then I would I haven't actually retrieved it because I'm just starting to use them. The SD card itself will have the higher quality image, and that's what you're looking for. Yeah. Okay. All right. And and really, it's it. Yes, the nicer image is is helpful, but the timestamp is you know we, we're wanting it to be as easy as possible, and so dragging and dropping all those photos from the SD card, we're automatically going to pull in the right timestamp and the weather and all that. Right, you don't have to really get into the nitty gritty of going into individual photos and changing timestamps. Gotcha. Okay. All right. So, how do you create a profile? on your system and how much does it cost and 
what is it useful with? Like as far as obviously you're grabbing information from a, a game camera, but what other devices can you use them on like iOS or um, computers or Androids? How does the, all that work? Yeah. Um, so like I said, you can use it with any camera. Um, as far as using it on different devices, you can access Deer Lab from any browser that has internet or cellular connection. Um, we do not, we, we block uploading photos from a phone or like an iPhone, mm-hmm. excuse me, a, a phone or an iPad okay. or you know tablet. And the reasoning we do that is because of the privacy that Apple and other manufacturers put on the timestamps. Gotcha. And this goes into like social media. They don't want you to be able to identify where a person is um, from the timestamp of publicly placed uh, photos. And so they change the timestamp of when the time when the photo was taken to the time that it was uploaded. And so by doing that, it changes all the timestamps. Gotcha. And that's why we go. We say you have to upload your photos from a computer to Deer Lab. But as far as viewing Deer Lab and viewing stats, you can use any phone, any device to be able to log in and look at that information. Okay. So you're going to have to go to a computer to upload your yes. your photos. As of right now, that's what you're going to have to do. Okay. Um, you know, the goal would be to simplify that and we're working on that. Okay. Um, as far as pricing, we have monthly plans as well as annual plans. We give some benefits with annual plans over the month to month plans. Um, but our plans start as low as $9 a month. If you're doing month to month and $7 a month, if you're doing annual. Okay. And, um, we have different tiers depending on how many cameras you have. Um, and so, you know, our lowest plan is good for up to 10 camera locations. Gotcha. Okay. So if people wanted to actually, let me back up a second. What is coming in the future for Deer Lab? And I know you can't let the cat out of the bag on all your <laughs> secrets, but what are some of the things that we might be able to see in the next two to three years? Okay. Um, well, I, I can say that our photo recognition is about to get a lot smarter. Okay. Um, and so that's, I'm very excited about that. And, you know, our goal in all of this and all of the changes that we make, and we make changes, in fact, Feedback that we receive from customers is the best thing for DLab because we're we listen to y'all. We do we have like a live chat in the app and on our website, and we listen to those those ideas. and And a lot of times, you know, a lot of the features are directly from customers. But um, I think I would say photo recognition definitely um, big improvements in there. The profile section big improvements in there. Um, there's some other stuff I, I'd rather not get into, but there's uh, there's a lot on the the horizon for Deer Lab, okay. And that we're really excited about. Um, I I would love to share it all, but we have had some people copy us, so we try to be careful about right. when we release that information. Um, but yeah, you know, I think uh, in the near term, uh, profiles are about to change. Okay, uh, we we are we are on the final test for that. We actually have just rewritten all of Deer Lab um, to allow us to do some different things. And so that is exciting, even though from a user perspective, you won't really notice a huge difference. Um, it will 
the platform is a lot stronger now. So I'm, I'm really excited about that. Um, but the updating the profiles, we will have more reports and a little bit more insight into um, the data, which is exciting on my side. Gotcha. Very cool. Let me let me run through ten rapid fire questions with you, John. Okay. And I can just it's, it, to me, it seems like you'd be literally. I can just envision you uh, rewriting Deer Lab. Like you must just close the door and and just go. Like uh, the Facebook developers, you know, just hammering on keyboards the whole time. I don't know if that's true or not, but that's that's what I envision when I think about a coder. Yeah, it's. Um, I am. So I have a partner, uh, Ryan Wood. He's in. Uh, Greenville, South Carolina. And so we both have different roles. I, I'm pretty much usability, um, interface, customer support. I, I was the one that kind of had the idea and, you know, but both of us are co-founders. And so Ryan, um, I, I'm very thankful for Ryan. He is a, a brilliant programmer and um, he handles a lot of that. So recently he's had a lot more work than I have. <laughs> from that perspective. But, um, yes, both of us are kind of, we have, it, it's, we do lock that door and you have to focus. You really do. And that's, that's been a challenge. Gotcha. All right. Well, let's, uh, let's get into the 10 rapid fire questions that I just proposed. Uh, what's your number one hunting tip of all time? Number one hunting tip. Wow. Um, being patient. <laughs> um, no, I would say, you know, if, if we're relating it to deer lab, I would say data, the data is really important. Um, there's, there's a lot of information from your fo- from your photos that, um, I think, you know, when we have people coming in t- using deer lab, they, they respond and they're like, I can't believe, um, you know, this information I never knew. And, um, so that's, that's exciting, but I would say, you know, really being able to look at the data behind everything that you do, um, that would be probably my number one. Tip. Okay. All right. We all have these things that we kind of feel naked if we don't have it with us in the tree stand. What's that one thing for you? Uh, let's say my thermocell. <laughs> <laughs> I can appreciate being in that. Florida, the thermocell. Yeah. I, I, the last time I, I was I was going into the woods and and I had the thermocell on my belt and I went through a thick patch and lost the thermocell without me knowing. I get up in my tree stand and I'm covered in mosquitoes. Yeah, and I it's just really hard to hunt. I, I hunt in a swampy area and it's just infested with mosquitoes the size of golf balls. So yeah, no, I can uh, say that certainly relate to that hunting. Um, you know, Maryland early season. Uh, New Hampshire, although the mosquitoes are get smaller in the early season in New Hampshire than they are in the the spring, um, the thermocell is priceless. I mean, just it's amazing the bubble it creates, and they're not a sponsor of us or anything like that. But man, you're absolutely correct. Yeah. What's uh, what's your biggest pet peeve in life? Biggest pet peeve in life? Um, that's an interesting question. Um, not, um, I would say people that aren't honest. Okay. Yep, that's a big one. That's uh, I don't like dishonest people either. Just tell me the truth, straight up. I don't care. Just tell me the truth. Um, how old are you today, John? I just turned forty-eight. Forty-eight. Hey, welcome to the club. We're right there with you. Uh, what All would you, right. What would you tell the twenty-four-year-old John Livingston, knowing what you know today? Um, do something that you love. Um, at least try to. Um, maybe it's not your full-time job, mm-hmm. but you know, having a passion. For me, 
you know, I've had many passions, but hunting is definitely a passion and, and deer lab came out of that passion. And so I would say if you can, you know, do something that you, that you love. I know there's a lot of people that are looking at, you know, doing things that will make maybe more money or whatever, but in the end, money really doesn't bring happiness. And if you can do something that you love, it can, it, life is a lot better. Yeah. Outstanding. What did you have for breakfast this morning? I don't eat breakfast, okay. believe it or not. All right. Yeah. I can believe that. I'm not. I, I love breakfast. I yep. can't. Um, a couple of years ago, I was diagnosed with leukemia. Oh, wow. Okay. And so um, that has the chemo that I take, which I'm, I'm great. I mean, I, I plan on living as long as I was going to live. Yep. But um, the and, and the type of leukemia I have really doesn't have many side effects. So, but I do have to be on chemo. And so doing that, it kind of takes me out of eating breakfast, which really stinks. Gotcha. Okay. All right. I'm, I'm sorry to hear that, but it sounds like you, oh, got, no problem. you got it managed. Yeah, definitely. You're uh, you meet a stranger uh, in a hotel convention or not a ho- at a deer hunting convention somewhere in the world. And a stranger comes up to you and they ask you what you do for a living. What do you tell them? That's a great question because um, I really kind of live two different. I have two different jobs. One is a web developer. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, you know, Deer Lab, because of its seasonality, um, we're we're on pretty much six months out of the year. Um, that is not a full time job. So half the year is Deer Lab, and then the other half is uh, I do a lot of web development for. Uh, you name it, a lot of different companies, some outdoor industry-related companies to uh, really developing websites. Mostly of my, most of my clients are out of state. Gotcha. Okay. You get your own billboard on the side of a highway. It's a blank canvas. You can put anything you want on it. What would it say? <laughs> These are hard. They are hard. You know, Jesus loves you. Excellent. That's a good one. If I say the word successful to you, who's the first person that pops into your head and why? First person to pop in my head. Um, I don't have a, a specific individual. Um, okay. I, I think of you know some of my friends that it's not necessarily financial success. It would just be more successful in life, of, of loving life. Um, those would be the people that I would think of first. Okay. What's a typical day in your life look like? Typical day would be um, just I, I work out of the house. I've been working out of the house for since 2002. Okay. And so it's pretty much, you know, I don't work in my pajamas, but, um, <laughs> you know, waking up, the kids going to school, um, both my wife and I work out of the house in different places. And um, so it's just a. Uh, I have my own office and pretty much am secluded in here until about, I would say, five-ish. And then, uh, you know, kids are home from school. I have three kids, uh, one in high school, one in uh, – actually two in high school and one in middle school. And uh, I don't know. Just uh, I work a lot. I work way too much. Right now we're building a house, and so that's pretty much my life is working and dealing with the house. Gotcha. All right, and then finally, what's a deer hunting day in your life look like? Deer hunting day would be um, I hunt a property about 45 minutes away from the office or from my house and uh, would be being with friends um, is a big part of it. Also, just 
being in a swamp infested um, area. And uh, just, I tell you, one thing I love about hunting is just being in a stand and being away from technology. And so that's been a huge break for me of just kind of being out in creation and being able to just enjoy the nature. Um, So I typically don't do all day sits. I would probably say my favorite time to hunt would be going out early afternoon and sitting until dark. Gotcha. Very good. All right. Those are the 10 rapid fire questions. Thanks for going through that exercise. Yeah. So John, if people have more questions because we either didn't answer a question or we have created more questions than answers in our conversation, where can people go to find out more information about Deer Lab? Yeah, it's uh, deerlab.com. That's just D-E-E-R-L-A-B.com. And we have on our homepage, we kind of go through the kind of the major um, topics or major features that we have. But we also have a live chat within the website as well as with the app. You'll see it in the very bottom right-hand corner. You can select that, and I'll be glad to answer any question that you have. We have a free trial as well. Um, doesn't take a credit card, so you can just put your email address in and, and sign up, and we give you a, a free 14-day trial. You can um, add up to 10 cameras and just try it out, upload some photos, and see see what it does. Um, but be more than glad to answer any questions too if you just select that live chat. And I typically answer um, within a minute, so unless it's 11 o'clock at night. Gotcha. Very good, man. Uh, John, this has been a pleasure to have you on the show, and thank you so much for coming on and, and diving deep into Deer Lab. It's been on my brain for quite a few years now, and then I really need to discuss this. And now I think these types of things are, uh, you know, right in the the forefront of things we use daily to hunt, and it's uh, it's been an interesting observation of the how things have progressed. And I remember talking to you back in 14 when I think you had just launched and that this has now become kind of a mainstay, this, this type of thing with the advent of trail cameras, which assist you to, to uncork and unleash the data really. Well, I really appreciate you having me on. Thank you so much. It's a, it's an honor. And I listen to your podcast and I, I will still say that you have the best voice in, in my podcasting <laughs> that I know. I appreciate that. I, I don't have much control over that, uh, good or bad, but I do appreciate the, the, the compliments. I appreciate John coming on the show and kind of breaking down what Deer Lab's all about. We certainly have been using game cameras for quite a while, and it's, you know, there's a lot of data that can be extracted from those pictures, and you just think it's a picture, but it's not. Uh, a picture snapped at a certain time with a certain timestamp puts all kinds of other things into play because you know exactly what was going on in that area exactly at that time. So if you match the location with the the weather patterns, uh, the moon phase in that area, and identify quickly what's in the picture using the Deer Lab photo recognition technology, now you can really sort out what's going on in your woods and when deer are actually moving. Kind of goes hand in hand with that DeerCast app where it, it predicts it, this kind of can confirm or not confirm some of the information that might come from DeerCast. So it's kind of a interesting test of what's, what's really happening in your area. Dusty, do we have a Chubby Tines Tip of the Week this week? Yeah, we do, Jay. And uh, The Chubby Tines Tip of the Week is sponsored by Morse's Sporting Goods. Firearms, use firearms, bows, use bows. 
located at 85 Kentucky Falls Road in Hillsborough, New Hampshire. Give Jim a call at 603-464-3444, morsessportinggoods.com. Your dollars go further in New Hampshire. There's no sales tax. Morse's Sporting Goods. Something that uh, actually popped in my mind this evening as I was walking into a, a new unknown piece of property and uh you know i, I was i pulled in parked my truck and, and i literally made probably 25 steps in the woods hmm. and next thing you know i was blowing deer out no kidding and i said oh man this 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 is good and bad real good that the deer are bedding there real bad for me wanting to hunt right in that spot right right so you know it, it, it comes down to when i when i went in there and blew them deer out that quick that i know that i need to to capitalize on that spot, but be extremely careful getting in and out of there. Um, mm. and, and literally, I'm I'm 50 yards in the woods. I set up a ground blind, and I'm gonna hunt right adjacent to where I know their bed net. But I took a leaf blower with me, and I blew the leaves off the ground so that when I walk in and out of there, I'm quiet. I think there's an, there's enough cover between me and and where they're bedding at to comfortably slide in there with the with, with the leaf blower. Blowing the leaves out, I got a quiet trail to walk on to bare dirt. It's it's absolutely ironic that you say that, and here's why: I picked up a new leaf blower this year. I had one that was just a basic handheld unit, and I could never figure out why the leaves wouldn't pile up when I was actually blowing leaves around the way they I see everybody else seemed like they'd zip through the yard no problem. Well, I think it's because I didn't have the power that I needed, so I decided to go out and get one of those backpack blowers and picks uh, blows leaves around like nobody's business so i got to thinking like you know what i'm gonna it's awful crunchy on the way to my tree stand right now really crunchy i'm taking this leaf blower out tomorrow at noon and i'm gonna blow all the way through to my tree stand just so i can get in and out of there quietly because man no wonder the deer aren't coming in they can hear me from a mile around it's amazing yep absolutely great great idea yeah so take your leaf blower out there and, and blow your walking trail out and clean it up so that you're quiet leaving and coming and going that's crazy that i did that or we'll be doing that tomorrow and i had the exact thought today we are on the same page my friend perfect dusty where can we find you when you're not hanging out here in the studios with me uh, shoot me an email dusty at bigbuckregistry.com you can look me up on instagram and twitter at chasing antler facebook.com forward slash chubby tines outdoors jay where can the people reach out to you or you're not on the mic likewise you can shoot me an email jay at bigbuckregistry.com and you can visit us on facebook facebook.com forward slash bigbuckregistry we're also on twitter which is twitter.com forward slash bigbuckregistry we're also on instagram instagram.com forward slash bigbuckregistry and youtube which is youtube.com forward slash big buck registry on youtube you can listen to all of our podcasts in their entirety as far as videos are concerned it's a boring video but the audio content is there so you can actually listen to our podcast you can also listen to all of our live shows that we've done on thursday nights when we do do them and we've gone back and interviewed re-interviewed a lot of our previous guests we had on the show just to put a face to a voice let's put it that way you can always listen to our show on other places as well not just youtube we're found on stitcher tune in radio iheart radio spotify google play and as an amazon alexa skill go to alexa and say alexa enable big buck registry 
And if you would like to submit a buck to our page for consideration and be featured on our page in front of 250,000 diehard deer hunting fans, all you have to do is go to bigbuckredstreet.com forward slash my buck and all of the instructions will be right there. I think that's pretty much everywhere we're at. I think that's a wrap, Dusty. That's a whole lot of big buck, Jay. Sure is. I'm Jay Scott. I'm Dusty Phillips. And this is the Big Buck Registry's Deer Hunting Podcast. We'll see you next week. Thank you.